Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. What a beautiful thing that we get to celebrate. Not just this Sunday, not next Sunday, but our hope in the victory of Jesus Christ displayed on that cross. Evident in an empty tomb. We are people of hope. We are called to give a reason for that hope. This sermon series, the reason for our hope, and his name is Jesus. And this week, I want us to focus in and lean in um, as we continue through 1 Peter chapter 4. As we look here to see how we are called to display that hope. How we can practically and actively live out that hope on a daily basis. And so we're going to pick up in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Before we do, I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, God, for life and for the hope that we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray, God, as we look into your word, God, that your word would look into our hearts, reveal to us areas of comfort, areas, God, of hardened hearts, Areas where we have not surrendered them to your feet. God, I pray that your word, that it would transform us from the inside out, God. That it would continue to be fleshed out and lived out in our lives and be evident. Be evident in our speech and in our action. Be evident in our homes and in our workplace. God, we love you. We desire to meet with you and to hear from you and not from man. So, God, I pray that I may decrease so that you may increase. God, I pray that you would be high and lifted up, that you would be exalted, and, God, that you would do what only you can do. Fill the gaps where I fall short. We love you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 7. Peter writes, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength by which God supplies so that In all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, those opening words right there in verse 7, it says, For the end of all things is near. That could be fearful. That could be um, scary to think about. The end of all things is near. And in fact, many people have taken verses like this. And have skewed them and perverted them and have used them with ill intent to gain money and to take advantage of those who are fearful. Those who are unaware of the promises of God. But we are called to be different. Peter here urges us to fiercely commit to fulfilling the purpose of our lives in Christ. 
here that we understand, yes, there is a second coming that is promised. But also, there's an expiration date on every single one of our lives. And so the end of all things is near. The end of our life, right, is near. We're nearer today than Peter was as he penned these words some 2,000 years ago. But if we are not careful, we can get wrapped up into all of this end of time things, right? But when we think about God and we understand the truth of who God is, we know that a thousand years to God is but a day, and but one day is a thousand years. And so where God stands outside of time, these words ring true today as they did for Peter. But we do not want to get caught up in that. But rather, we want to know we should understand and we should understand the urgency for us as men and women, as the family of God, to know that God is near, that his promises are near, that he is not far off and distant, but he is near to his children. He is near to us, and we should live so as a reflection of knowing and displaying the hope that we have in Christ. I believe Peter is saying here that he wants us all to finish well. Whether it's near because Christ is returning or whether it's near because today is our last breath, or tomorrow, we need to finish well. God is calling us to finish well. And because it is near, it says, therefore, be of sound judgment. So how do we finish well? How do we live knowing that the end of all things is near? Sound judgment. Be of sound judgment. Be of sober spirit. These words that reflect an individual, reflect the life of a Christian who is intent and intentional in what they think about and how they act. They are living in a way that they hold loosely the things of this world. That they are not persuaded by the next fad or the next trend of society and culture but they are stable in their thinking and in their judgment. They are sober in their spirit. They are watchful and intent, expectant for their Savior. These words remind me of a point that we made last Wednesday in our, in our student worship service, that we are called to be Watchful. We are called to be watchmen. We are called to be on the watchtower overlooking and watching and knowing and intent and alert. Watching and working about the Lord's business. Understanding that we are not promised tomorrow. This picture of, of the farmer who was on top or the workers of the farmland who were on top of the watchtower, they were looking out and looking over the land. 
They were making sure that there was not somebody coming in to steal or to destroy their vineyards or their land or to take, overtake their livestock. And they would be up on that watchtower and they would call out when something was wrong. In the life of the Christian, right? If, if we uh, abstain from those things that, that Peter talked about in verse 3, of the lust and the drunkenness and the carousing and the drinking parties, the idolatries, right? If we are not partaking in those things, here we see what we should be doing, watchful and intent, ready to call out, ready to protect, ready to fight, ready to finish well, protect the things that God has entrusted to us. Sober-minded, sound judgment, cannot um, think about this and not think about the demoniac, the one who was possessed with legion, right? There was many. But after he encountered Jesus, what did he look like? At his feet, once he was bound in chains and he was gashing himself and he was naked, uh, living among the tombs, but when he met Jesus, at his feet, clothed and in his right mind. That's, that's what Peter's calling out to us as Christians in our right mind at his feet. Why? We see that for the purpose of prayer. We are not distracted. Our lives aren't cluttered by the things of this world. But our access to the Father is clear and it is, we are in our sound mind. We are there daily at the feet of Jesus. That's how close he is. That's how near he is. And we are there. We can be found at the feet of Jesus in prayer, in petition, calling out to him, clinging to him, to his promises. But that's hard. That's something that, that, that gets cluttered easily if we're not. If we're not putting away the things of this world, if we're not holding loosely to the things of this world and holding tightly to the promises of God. We are called, right, to fiercely commit our life to fulfilling the lives that we have been called to. We have been called to uh, proclaim, to display the promises and the hope that we have in Christ. And how do we do that? We see in this next set of verses here and throughout these verses, and we're going to finish up how Peter practically now breaks this down for us. But before we do, as Peter speaks these words to us, where he says, be sober in spirit, sound judgment for the promises of prayer. I can't look past the fact that he experienced something similar like this, spoken to him directly. You know, we're going to celebrate Easter what a great, what a great time to celebrate our resurrected king. But these words ring true, maybe in a deeper way, to Peter. In Mark's gospel, chapter 26, starting in verse 36, it says, Then Jesus came to them, to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. 
And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be grieved and distressed. Jesus knew what was, what was ahead. He saw the cross. The time was near. It's near. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Man, I could just imagine the look in his eyes. There was something different when he spoke these words to the disciples. When he spoke these words to Peter, he said, I'm grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. You see the reflection of the words as Peter is speaking to us? Keep watch with me. Verse 39. And he went a little beyond them, and he fell on his face, and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came, and he came into the disciples, and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Could you, can you hear the words reflecting in the words of Peter as he is reflecting on the words of the Savior, as he was ready, as he is praying in the garden, deeply distressed, and he wakes up Peter because he's found asleep. We are called to finish well. We are called to finish well, to not be asleep. There's a war that is raging for the hearts of God's children, for our children, for our students. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, even though the Spirit is willing the flesh is weak. And we see the words here of the Savior echoed through Peter as he is saying, be alert, be ready, be prayerful, be intentional. And how do we do this? Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. And we see Peter quoting these, the, the, the proverb Right? And, and Proverbs, I believe it's 10. But we see that Peter puts a new spin on the word love, and he uses the word agape, love here. This unconditional love, this love that is experienced by the grace of God through salvation. This love that we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And now we are justified. Not by our, our works, but by the works of God. And he's saying to keep fervent in that kind of love with one another. Because that kind of love is sacrificial. And it doesn't come natural to us. That kind of love takes work. But that kind of genuine Christian love displays the cross. Displays the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we must first have experienced God's love through the Son of Jesus Christ. Experienced his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. 
to be able to love as Peter is calling us, to be fervent in love. I mean, this was real. When we read the life of, of Christ and his ministry and what was going on, his love was crossing racial boundaries. He was sitting there with the woman at the well in the middle of the day, which he had no business doing by the way the world would describe it. And so it's this kind of love that crosses racial boundaries. It's this kind of love that unites a church full of broken believers from different walks of life and different religions and different race and ethnical backgrounds and different cultures. It's this kind of love that brings the church together. And that's why Peter is saying, be fervent in love. This unconditional love. This love that what? Covers a multitude of sins. This love that when we see a brother or sister in Christ and they maybe have said something that you know that you've said that before, we overlook that. We extend grace and we extend mercy. But this kind of love, we have to be careful that it's not a kind of love that we allow for just any sin or any type of living because then that becomes unloving. There's that balance of love. There's that balance of truth but with grace and with mercy and forgiveness. It's unloving when we see someone heading down a path where you know it leads to destruction and you let them go because love is love. That's not the kind of love he's talking about. But it's this love that does extend grace, that does extend mercy and forgiveness because we all fail. We all fall short. But God's grace, God's love, and God's forgiveness is always greater. And it's that kind of love that we are called to demonstrate, to pour out onto those around us. Be hospitable, verse 9, it says, to one another. So how do we love? We open our houses. We open our homes and our lives to be hospitable to one another without complaint. Now, why did he have to add that without complaint? (laughs) Because we need God's grace and love, and so do they. I love this quote right here. I love this quote about what kind of love that we should be exemplifying or what kind of hospi- what does it look like for Christians to be um, displaying hospitality as we open our homes. This quote that says, true Christian hospitality is making people feel at home when you wish they were at home. Y'all get that, right? <laughs> Y'all have had those people in your house. Sometimes you've been that person in the house. You're like, man, am I overstaying my stay? And then they bring out the dessert. They say, no, stay a little bit longer. We're glad that you're here. Or those people where you're kind of like, hey, here, I got you a goodie bag, right? But they just don't get it. (laughs) But true Christian hospitality is making people feel at home when you wish they were at home. And I thought that was good. That rang true, right? That runs deep. That's good. But what is he talking about? He's talking about the the true love expressed in practical ways. There was practical needs, right? Peter's talking about the suffering and what's going on, the persecution, persecution of the church. It was real. Families were being torn apart because one family was stuck in religion and the other one wanted to follow Jesus. And so they were kicked out. They were removed. And where were they going to go? Right here. 
to meet with other brothers in Christ, welcoming them into their home, providing a meal for them, selling some things to meet physical, physical tangible needs. There were real needs that, that needed to be met. And Peter is calling out for the church to do what the church is called to do, to cover each other's weaknesses, to be there for one another, to love one another, to meet true needs. There was a, a pastor from Las Vegas that, that quoted, um, he quoted some statistics. Their, their church did some research. And they found out that if the church at large in the United States would take one child who's in the foster care system and bring them into their home, that they could meet the needs of the foster care system, that there wouldn't be no need for foster care. Now, we know that that's evolving and that's changing in different ways, but, but, it, but when they looked at the numbers, they said if each church in the United States were to take in a child, they could meet that need. They could meet that need for us to open up our homes, to look around and find tangible needs in our community, where we are, where God has placed us. As a church, we're called to genuinely love that way, displaying the Christian love and to do it without complaint, to do it without complaining. Because it's hard. It's hard. As a family, we enjoy to go on a vacation once a year. As a family. I don't particularly call that a vacation. Because <laughs> you end up being the pack mule. And you end up, you know, with this kid and that kid. And, but we do it to serve our children. To make memories. I do that for them to have a good time. It takes sacrifice in serving one another. It takes sacrifice to open up our lives and open up our homes and think about others before ourselves. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for, for the love that is displayed within this church. I'm grateful for the way that you love and that you serve. I'm grateful for the leadership that Pastor Jason brings in his heart and the deacons and deacon leadership. You know, we're, we're using terms like servant leaders and leading servants. That we, we're not above anyone else, but we desire to come alongside. And, and if it means for us to, to lay down so that you step on us over to the cross of Christ, over and to be able to experience the great salvation that we've experienced. That's our desires, not to serve above, but belong, but alongside, or even below. That's why we're using uh, terms and terminology like guest services and host team, because you belong, because we love you, and we desire to do life with you. And what a beautiful experience that Lindsay and I and our family have experienced with the love that you display. How refreshing that love is. Almost been, I guess, four and a half years since being here, which is crazy. But to be honest, when I was thinking about and praying about leaving, 
the place where I was before here, it was hard because they loved well. And I was worried. (laughs) Would I be accepted? (laughs) What kind of love? What kind of people are they? I mean, it's, I guess it's logical to think through those things. But when I got here, when our family was received here, overwhelmed by your love, thank you for the way that you love and the way that you display that love. I'm grateful for that, thankful for that, challenged by that. And so how do we love? How do we become hospitable? How do we continue to to do these things that Peter is challenging us, these things that are vital to the life of a believer, the life of the church, for the church to continue to thrive and be built up? We see in verse 10 and 11, it says, As each of you has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards, the manifold grace of God. In uh, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So how do we do this? By practically serving. By serving. By exercising these gifts. What are our gifts? Two main things here that we see. We see um, speech. We see speaking and serving. And I believe the greatest way that you will discover these things and actually continue to develop these things is by serving, is by continuing to put love in action, is by finding a place where there's a need and serving, actively uh, putting into practice the gifts that God has given to you. And as you serve and as things are developed and as people see the gifts that you display, as they see your love in action and your love displayed as you're serving as the body of Christ, that we continue to develop and continue to see where is it that God has placed you. What needs are there? And so where is that? How, how is that? I don't know. <laughs> but it's, it's there. There's needs all around us. I overheard some people talking about we need more people to help with, with greeting. You know, there's a desire for, for, for more of the kitchen ministry. There are, our children don't have Sunday school yet. Our children are are limited capacity right now. There's no nursery yet. There are many needs that are out there. And there are many that are here. And so what does that look like? Action, doing, serving. Actively using the gifts that God has given to you. And it says here, speech and service, right? That we are called to, to be speaking of this hope that God has placed, that God has displayed in our lives through the life of Jesus Christ. This hope that we have should be displayed on our lips, the way that we speak, the way that we interact, the way that we parent, the way that we discipline, the way that we talk to teachers, the way that we talk to those of the opposite sex, the way that we talk to our coaches and to authority. And in our service, that we are all called to be serving. We are all called to be a part of one body. We are yet one body but many members. And so when we think, oh, well, somebody else can do that, they can't. 
They can't. Because God is that near and he is that personal. And he has designed this for all of us to be part. For all of us to experience his goodness and his grace and his love and his mercy. And and to experience the great fellowship that you experience when you serve alongside a brother and a sister in Christ. When you serve alongside someone as you're, you're mowing their lawn or that you're, you're on a mission trip or whatever that looks like. But we have been designed and God has designed this to be united in love, to be united in service so that in all things, when someone looks out and be like, man, that's a bunch of crazy people from a bunch of different walks of life, There's something different about them. There's something that brings them together, that unites them. There's something that I want. And we get to share God's love. We get to share God's gospel, God's grace and his love and his mercy in tangible, real ways. As we serve alongside one another, as we display God's love, we put that love in action Because these words should not be our words, and the works are not our works. And so when we do these things, when we apply them to our lives, God receives that as worship, which he alone is worthy of. When I was reading through these verses and studying for this Sunday, there was a book that really just stood out to me, a book that Lindsay and I that Lindsay read to me on a vacation that wasn't a vacation, but it was good. There's a book, it's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key by Rosaria Butterfield. And there's some quotes in here that I want to read off that challenged me, that challenged Lindsay and myself of how to look how to look at life a little different, how to look at the places and the things that God has given us and where he has placed us. It says, the gospel comes with a house key. And here's a couple quotes. It says, radically ordinary hospitality shows this spectacle, skeptical, post-Christian world what real authentic Christianity looks like. Knowing your personality and your sensitivities does not excuse you for ministry. Hello. It means that you need to prepare for it differently than others might. That's good. Let God use your home, your apartment, your dorm room, your front yard, community gymnasium, or your garden for the purpose of making strangers into neighbors, neighbors into family. Because that is the point, building the church and living like a family, the family of God. And this last one, radically ordinary and daily hospitality is the basic building block for vital Christian living. Start anywhere, but do start. And I believe that's our call. And I believe that's what Peter would say here. Start anywhere, but start serving. Being the body of God, being the body of Christ, being the church, fervent in love, hospitable without complaint, 
serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It is out of an overflow of the grace of God that we experience the love of God, that we continue to display and share the hope that we have to this world. So that the neighbor that looks at you strangely sees something different. That our homes are open. Our house is a place where the gospel is proclaimed and displayed through our families, through our lives, for God's glory. And if you've experienced that kind of love and that grace, we are called to to give that out, to continue to, to share that, share that in service, share that in unity and in love with one another, to share that with our community, with our neighborhood. But if you have not experienced that, the invitation is clear. That we repent, turn from our old ways, and that we can, by faith, trust and believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, that we can have life, that we can experience the love of God, that we can share the hope of Christ. Let's pray. Holy God, I thank you for this day. God, thank you for your life. God, thank you for your gospel, for your truth. God, I pray that we would continue to be people, continue to be a church, continue to be families who put love in action, who cling to the hope of the cross, who cling to the hope of an empty tomb and a blood-stained cross. Who cling to the hope of a savior with nail-pierced, scarred hands. But a living, a righteous, a victorious king promised never to leave us nor forsake us. So God, help us to practically live out the life that you have called us to live. To be fiercely committed to living as men and women in this broken world, living as a living sacrifice, God, to display your goodness and your riches of your glory and of your grace and of your salvation. God, we love you. Pray for those that are here today, those that are listening online. God, would you redeem our time? Continue to grow us in your ways. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.